If you've never lived in a rural area, you probably aren't aware of some of the challenges rural residents face. From access to healthy food and emergency services, to primary and behavioral health care. Listen in as I talk to Mindy Jorgensen and she explains some of the challenges she has faced and some of the successes she has had in providing behavioral health care in a rural community. Hey y'all, welcome to The One in Five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Mindy Jorgensen, and we're going to be talking about the challenges of providing behavioral health care in a rural setting. Welcome, Mindy. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so such my pleasure to have you in here, M- Mindy. Um, well, hey, let's just let's just jump in. Uh, let's start by clarifying some terms. So, so I said we're going to be talking about the challenges of providing behavioral health care, right? So, you know that term is relatively new to me. Behavioral health care. It's something that I th- I think I heard previously referred to as mental health care, right? right? So is there a difference between those two or are they same synonymous? Talk to me about that. Yeah, they're they're very similar. Behavioral health, um, the, term, the term has come up more recently in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. And really the term encompasses more than just what we think of traditionally as mental health. Um, it's not just about emotions. It's not just about thoughts. It's about behaviors as well and how those things all interact with each other. So behavioral health is kind of a more inclusive term to what we actually do. Can you explain a little bit about the connection between thoughts and emotions and then maybe how they affect behaviors? Is that how it works? If you think of, um, if you can imagine a triangle and at each point are these different things. So at the top there would be thoughts at another corner, there would be emotions. The third corner would be the behaviors. And so the concept with cognitive behavioral therapy, which a lot of people do, it's very evidence-based. It's been around a long time and it works, um, is if you change your thoughts, you can help change your emotions. We can't just go in and change our emotions. Okay. Um, so we can do that. We can help manage our emotions better by changing our thoughts to be more helpful or not as harmful we can also change our behaviors. Okay. And so they all kind of interact with each other. And and some people even take it farther than that triangle and, and kind of say it's a circle. It's like it's always going around. We're always in that okay. That kind of loop. Um, so it's like a arrow. Yes. Arrow. Arrow through the triangle. Yes. Sorry, I'm saying that and, and I'm I'm making hand gestures right. right now in front of Mindy for all you listeners, and you guys are not getting any benefit from my hand gestures. Sorry about that. Yes, but yeah, they all affect each other. Okay. So your behaviors will affect your thoughts. Your behaviors will affect your emotions. Your emotions will affect your thoughts and your behaviors and gotcha. all that. Yeah. So just from a terminology standpoint, is is it moving towards calling it behavioral health and that being the banner the new banner under which we talk about mental health as well? I 
from my point of view, yes, okay. I think so. I think, you know, it's just a more, it just captures more of what we all do. Probably what I'm assuming, what psychiatry does, what psychology does, what okay. therapy does. We're, we're treating a whole person. We're treating all of these things, not just the mental gotcha. aspect of it. It's a, it's a more holistic approach. Yes. Okay. Uh, that brings us to, I think, our next question. You talked about psychiatrists and psychologists. Mm -hmm. What is it that you do? What's your job title? Right. So I'm a behavioral health clinician um, for One Health, and I am licensed in the state of Montana as a licensed clinical professional counselor. So I'm able to assess, diagnose, um, treat, uh people with behavioral health disorders. And okay. so, you know, that differs from a psychiatrist who can also prescribe medication. They're, they're an actual MD who can prescribe. And psychologists have more education so that they can do assessments and testing and kind of some other things to help diagnose. So what's, what's your realm then? Mm -hmm. Like what, what does an LCPC do then, I guess? So yeah. we, yeah, we... Um, provide individual, group, couples, and family therapy. So okay. kind of the whole thing. Um, different people, for myself, I'm trained in, and my education and my experience has been in all of those things. Okay. Um, but there are some people who are licensed counselors who focus just on marriage and family, or just on individuals, or they prefer to do, just do groups. And, okay. but and you do it all. We do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Um, I don't want to say not by choice, but sometimes depending for on sure. the situation. Need um, is needed. Need. Okay. Yes, for sure. Which I bet that's really helpful yes. to have somebody available based on need, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I would hate to go to you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And you say, I can't, I can't help you with that. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> so having you be knowledgeable in all three of those things, mm -hmm. I bet, is a real blessing. To yeah. And what I found here, you know, just to kind of toot the team that I work with of other to toot their horn <laughs> is a lot of us are trained because we have to be we if we aren't trained in, say, family therapy, we're getting trained in it because of where we live and the lack of providers we need to be very diverse in our own, what we provide. Talk to me a little bit about that, the lack of providers. Yeah. Or would we call that a provider shortage? Provider shortage, drought, I don't know what you call it, but I know in, I think it's like 90%, I don't know the exact number, is um, in the United States has a deficit of mental health, behavioral health providers. And so we live in Montana, which we know is very rural. And yeah. so we almost are like this microcosm of that. We, majority of Montana doesn't have one psychiatrist in their community, wow. one mental health provider in their county, you know? And so, yeah, we're spread pretty thin here. Do you know how many behavioral health providers that's are a great question. in your county? <laughs> in, <laughs> if in, you don't, that's okay. I would <laughs> venture to guess because we have one up in Colster. So Rosebud County is where I provide services okay. primarily. Um, that's where our clinic is that I'm out of. And there's me. And then there's a gentleman up in Colstrip, and he's retiring. Is that Tim? Tim it's Dove? Tim Dove, a former yeah. employee of One Health. Yes. Yeah. So when I first started, I would I was out at the Ashland Clinic yeah. every every other week, and Tim was actually providing services out of that clinic. Yes. And it was a real 
a blessing to get to know Tim. Yes, He's a he, real gentle man. He is an amazing person <laughs> and he is a great mentor and awesome. um, for a lot of the the young men that are in that area. Awesome. Yeah, so, so he's up in Coal Strip. So he's up in Coal Strip and retiring. So between Tim and I, because when I came into work for One Health, um, Tim was stepping out of, he was retiring then, but he retired into retirement where he was working. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's actually retiring it from was what the I understand. pre-retirement. Yeah, he was to prep him for real retirement. Okay. So, um, so I think there's the two of us. Oh my gosh. And then there's a couple of licensed addiction counselors I know of, but And that's in a very large county. Yes. Rosebud County is very large. Uh tip particularly from north to south. Correct. Right. Yeah, not necessarily from east, east to, to west. west. It's mm-hmm. a thinner east to west. But we're talking Ashland, we're talking Colstrip, we're yep. talking Forsyth. Yep. Right, which is up on the ninety four. Yes. So that's a that's a that's a big territory. Talk to me a little bit about Ashland. Talk to me sure. a little bit about this context yes. of where you serve. So Ashland is a small, very small community, ranching community, I would say, that is kind of butts up against um, the eastern side of the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. And to the north a ways, there's an Amish community as well. And so we have this neat mix of different backgrounds, different cultures, just different people, but we're all people. Yeah. Um, and the amazing thing in that community is how relationships play such a big part of the community. And everybody seems to be willing, you know, if there's a tragedy or somebody's ill or something happens, there's immediately, you know, a GoFundMe, there's fundraisers, sure. there's people talking, the local bar does um, raffles and so you know, tight knit. So tight knit, willing to give people rides, you know, to billings for medical appointments. And, you know, people just seem to come together and do what needs to be done. Did I tell you my in laws live yes. up by the Amish? They yes. actually had their land borders. Oh, wow. Uh, the Amish. And my mother in law, she showed up last, uh, she showed up earlier this week. And uh, we were just talking about her, her previous day. And she said, yeah, her and Ron, my father in law, mm-hmm. were, um, out fixing fence. Sure. And it was the fence that borders uh, the, the, Amish. the Amish. And mm-hmm. so she said that it was, a, it was really rough at first, <laughs> but then one of the Amish came out and started helping them. And it just really made that whole yes. uh, fence fixing <laughs> piece easier. go a lot yeah. easy. Yeah. A lot quicker, a lot easier. So right. um, I think that's a, is that a good, that's a great example. Yeah. I think okay. just people, I know there's a gentleman in our, community who he actually lives south of the community but he drives up to the Amish community which is north of Ashland and brings folks into town when they need to come into town to do banking or I don't know what they all do but you know whenever they need to come somewhere he's he's their ride every Monday and that's everybody knows that and so yeah it's very cool yeah so I run up and down that road we'll go out there to do some long runs you know and and it's not often you get passed by a car right. on that road, right? <laughs> but it is very common to get passed by a horse and yes. buggy. <laughs> very true. And just get out of the way That's if right. there's a kid driving. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yep. There are probably more horses than there are people along yeah. that road. Mm-hmm. So, so very rural, very, very rural. spread out, yes. right? And Ashland even itself, it has a, a really small sort of main street. Right. And then... 
uh, it's the the people are spread out over what like a 12 15 mile radius yeah 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 i think if you went by like um a zip code or something that would probably be what it encompasses and then um even outlying areas outside of ashland we rent a place right now while we're finishing our own home and we're considered in ashland but we're in the next county over (laughs) in powder river county but we don't get mail delivery at our house um but we're considered Ashland, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. so my parents, my, my, my in-laws, they uh, are six miles north of Ashland, but they have a Forsyth address. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. There are people even farther up uh, Tongue River Road towards Miles City, but they're 20 miles from Miles City, 30 miles from Miles City, who have Miles City addresses. So That's you right. just never know. Yep. <laughs> uh, so... Wh- What's the common profession around that area? Oh, gosh. I would say ranching and farming, okay. probably primarily a lot of service work. We have a couple gas stations. We have um, two very small grocery stores, um, two bars, three marijuana dispensaries. How many places to eat? Um, there's really one place to <laughs> sit, kind of sit down and sure. eat. Um, it's kind of a D it's Michelle's munchies. It's kind of a yep. DQ type setup. And then the bar, you could eat at the bar Okay. and then you can get some quick food at the convenience store. Sure. Yep. So, so three marijuana dispensaries sure. to one <laughs> right. really sit down one place to eat. <laughs> joint. Yes. <laughs> interesting. Yes. That's interesting. Does yes. that play into, uh, Maybe some of the types of patients that you serve and some of the types of issues that you deal with as a behavioral health counselor? Yeah, I think we don't see so much with the marijuana use as we do sometimes the bars. You know, there are a few folks in town that probably have a drinking problem or a problem with alcohol. And um, oftentimes, as we know, people, when they drink, sometimes don't hold their emotions together as well. And so we've had some crisis situation, crisis folks come in who are under the influence and needing to get them some help and and you're there for that and there we are yeah awesome yep um is is help sought out or is help mandated often usually usually um depends for the behavioral health care that's more the mental health end of things you know what we could traditionally think of as therapy very voluntary okay um i do get referrals from courts, from tribal court, from local courts, from federal court to do evaluations. Substance use evaluations or chemical kind of, dependency? Yeah, or? kind of integrated care type. Like okay. what is what even Proper. does this person need? Do they need anything? It's part of their judgment usually. And gotcha. so um, so we do some of those and but we do some mandated anger management as okay. well. So that is done out of Harden and we do it telehealth. But So you said some of the more counseling type therapy related behavioral health stuff is voluntary. What's the general attitude in a community like that towards this type of service? I think, I guess my perspective on that is that there are some folks that probably could benefit from behavioral health care but there's kind of that pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, well, my mom was like this, my grandma was like this, or my dad was like this, everybody in my family's like this, when, okay, yes, we know there's a genetic component and an environmental component sure. to behavioral health issues, 
they could benefit. Um, so I think there's a reluctance by some and the relationship we develop with those people um, in the community, I think is what brings some of them in. That's a lot of my patients or referrals that I've had in the past have been people that know somebody who knows somebody who knows me or knows somebody sure. um, who knows the nurse and they trust that because there is that kind of connection. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's probably pretty challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can you talk about maybe some of the other challenges that you face in, sure. in providing care like this in a small rural community? Yep. Yeah. There's kind of the big one is transportation. Um, you know, we don't have public transportation. Medicaid transportation isn't out there. Um, and we have folks spread out, like you said earlier, kind of over a vast area. And, you know, they they do get rides or, you know, some people have their own vehicles. But transportation is a big one. Um, that's a barrier. I would say, too, you know, we don't have the barrier of finances, which is nice for One Health. You know, if somebody doesn't have insurance, we have staff who can help them get on um some sort of public assistance or public, okay. you know, Medicaid, that kind of thing. Or we also have, it's not called a sliding fee scale, but that's what I call it. Cause I think it is now. It was called the HealthShare Partnership yes. for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. But I think it, I think they actually switched mm-hmm. the language okay, over good. because people just understand sliding fee yes. scale a yeah. lot. Based a lot on better. income and yeah. yep, we can get people in at low to no cost and that's and that amazing. applies to behavioral health services it does. as well as primary yes. care, huh? Yes. Okay. It's it's a kind of a great bargain. It's a great deal. Um and then I would say, you know, technology is sometimes a barrier and it's not that the people don't know how to use the technology sometimes it's the limits of um infrastructure infrastructure that's a great way to yeah um we have the availability to do telehealth with people if they can't come in but if they live somewhere where they don't have cell service or they don't have wi-fi um that poses a problem so i'm glad you brought that up could you could you talk to me a little bit about how some of our patients so you've already said it's a challenge maybe from a stigmatic point right. of view right right um this is just how i am uh, maybe some people look at behavioral health or mental health mm-hmm. as um something i just don't need that right um that it's was for other people it's for other people it's just not for me mm-hmm. um so can you talk about maybe how patients have responded to now adding the telehealth layer yes. over that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, now I don't get to do it in person in right. what I would consider a good relationship, right? Because yes. relationship seems like it plays a huge part very, in this. Very key. There's even, um, again, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but there's a lot of research out there that shows that a large part of somebody getting better with behavioral health care has to do with the relationship they have with their provider. I can see that. Yeah. And so just, you know, we think about it with ourselves, you know, I don't want to just go tell my issues to just a random person on the street that I don't really know. hundred percent. Yeah. But I want to get to know this person and know about them, you know, and then I can open up. And then I can open up. Yeah. I can trust, I can open up. And so really building that relationship and, you know, even with the 
the medical people are more apt to come in for medical things. And so we do um, what's called warm handoffs. And so if a provider is in with a patient, even if they're doing telehealth for an ear infection, but they notice there's some sort of mental health, um, behavioral health type issue, maybe the person, you know, is grieving or there's something going on, they can call me into that appointment and I can meet with the person, introduce myself you know, kind of, we call it a warm handoff. It's just getting to know them. And it might take a few of those times to get somebody comfortable. What's your experience been like? Yeah. With, with warm handoffs. Why don't you yeah. call them cold handoffs? I don't, <laughs> who is wants it, to shake a cold just, hand? <laughs> I heard this joke the other day. What is it? <laughs> what is a cannibal who's late for dinner get? Oh no. <laughs> a cold shoulder. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yes. I know. So we don't want to give a cold shoulder. We don't want to give a cold hand. We want to make this like a nice experience for the person. So even if they're refusing or they're saying, you know, not today, not right now, we're making it a positive experience for them. And then they know who we are. They can put a name and a face together. They can say, oh, yeah, I see her at the grocery store. Or that's how it kind of works in Ashland. (laughs) Like you run into people all over the place and you end up. I was, I was having lunch the other day and somebody who is a potential patient had run, not run, but, but walked up to me and, um, wanted me to meet their dog and, you know, just kind of chit chat for a few minutes. And so, you know, we do keep our boundaries. We do have professional boundaries, sure, but sure. at the same time in a small community like that, just getting that warm handoff, you're going to run into that person again and sure. you just build that relationship and, Hopefully, eventually, they trust enough that they can come in. So we talked a little bit about infrastructure in mm-hmm. telehealth um, and relationship yes. in telehealth. How have those two sort of come together, and have you noticed any, um, like, people being a little more apt to access these services right. through a telehealth platform? I think people are open to it. I do think, as horrible as COVID was, and how much it impacted the world, it actually opened up a great window for telehealth because by necessity, we had to do that. Yeah. And people are used to it now. You know, we're all used to FaceTiming people. We're used to at work, you know, getting hopping on a meeting is what we say, you know, just to have kind of a, a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting, that kind of thing. And people are used to it. And so a lot of them are, of course, younger people are much more open sure. to it, but what about um, older folks? Have you? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> like, yeah, but it just depends. Yeah. yeah. I think they're a little um, confused at first sometimes, or maybe not confused, but it's wary, you know, that is this really going to work? But I know out of my Ashland office, I do a lot of telehealth all over the state with One Health clients, and mm. they, I, you know, I have people in their 60s and 70s. I have kids. I have all these folks, and it works. You know, because you can still make that connection with people. Now, are these people that are they going into another clinic or are they just at their house? Either. Um, So we have some that are direct to patient visits. Somebody can be on their cell phone, their laptop, their iPad, whatever, um, and have their session from home. Or if they don't have that availability or they prefer not to, or sometimes even as a clinician, we can say, I'd rather this person come in because we want somebody to really lay, lay eyes on them. Um, and so they come into the clinic, a person hooks them up on our iPads and then we have our sessions that way. 
Okay. So let's say someone's running into some of the barriers that mm-hmm. we've talked mm-hmm. about, maybe some some internet connectivity issues yes. or really slow mm-hmm. internet. Is there still a way to reach them yes. from afar off? Yes. So most, I would say, you know, a lot of us or many of us that live have lived in more urban areas, we just use our cell phones. A lot of people out in, in my neck of the woods still have a, a landline. What's that? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> young people will say, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, not that you're not young, but... I, I'm you, yeah. I was I was alive in the days of rotary phones. Rotary phones, okay. Same. <laughs> and phone booths were a big thing yes. when I was a youngster as yes. well. So we can always do phone calls, sure. and um, sometimes that we just some sort of connection um, that we can make, and we can have sessions over the phone sometimes. Awesome. Yeah. It's nice to know that even when. You know, some of the more advanced technology fails that there's still a lifeline, yes. right? Yes. And maybe we, that's what we start changing the name of the landline to is the lifeline. The lifeline. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we have where we're building our home. It's very rural. We don't have cell service. We don't have Wi-Fi, but we have a landline. And we do kind of just only would use it for a lifeline. <laughs> Right. You if know, all else fails, all else fails, they know our and our house is on fire. Yeah. Here's our lifeline. Nine one one knows our GPS coordinates. They know nice. to send a helicopter if we call and whisk us away. So that's so rural, isn't it? Yes. That's such a rural thing that it I is. think a lot of people don't really grasp who've right. lived in urban areas for so long, right. or even suburban areas. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was a whole new concept for me too. This is the smallest town I've ever lived in. Mm. Uh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about was I know as part of your background, you spent some mm-hmm. time in Central California. Yes. I also spent some time in Central California, and so my experience has been moving from. Big to small Same. to smaller <laughs> to smallest to you think it's small. You think it's small, and then you go somewhere smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so, I lived for three years in North Dakota as a as a therapist before I moved back to Montana. Big long story. I won't go into it, but I lived in what I thought was a small town there because it was it was the smallest town I had ever lived in, Bowman, kind of little farming town and then we move here to Ashland (laughs) and really our place is in uh even smaller community where there is literally just a post office it's sub Ashland -Ashland. (laughs) yes (laughs) south south Montana awesome (laughs) yeah it's interesting there's so many challenges right there's so many um struggles Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do the work that you do in that type of area. Now, we did talk a little bit about some of those. Can you yeah. can you talk to me about maybe some successes, some really positive yes. things? Yes, I think, you know, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, that sense of community is huge. Um, even though everybody's spread out, that is amazing. We, people are people. And so no matter where you do therapy, you're, you're doing therapy with people. We don't do it to people, but, you know, they participate in therapy. Um, And so kind of the human existence and the human experience is, even though the environment might be different, we're we're all the same. And so that really, I think, is a success in a sense. Like, you can pick up and go anywhere and, um, and help. You know, that's the bottom line. And we've had 
just in the about year and a half that I've been working out in Ashland, you know, we've served old, I've, we, and when I say we, I'm talking me, <laughs> sure, sure. but, um, served whole families, okay. you know, the children, the parents, the grandparents, um, one comes in and then they all come in and then sure. you're doing family sessions and then that's positive. It's fantastic because some of these folks that are coming in just have never trusted somebody enough. And you're building rapport. And yep. And who knows down the road how that will, that ripple effect, you know, um, part of the work I do is at, as for One Health, but is at St. LeBray School. And so two days a week, I'm in person there seeing kids, which is so fun. Um, kids have been through a lot in their lives sometimes, and to have them open up and trust somebody that may not have the same culture or the same background that they do, um, I really give them credit for that. And and it, it, the young people really do open up more. They're just kind of, to them, therapies. What, sure. what people do because it's that generation but yeah so good successes maybe i could get you to forecast a little bit mm-hmm. let's go back to telehealth for just a second okay do you have any ideas on on maybe how rural communities will continue to to utilize this medium mm-hmm. uh, this way that we're trying to get services yeah. to folks rather than having people come right to right because we talked about the transportation barrier right and when you're spread out across such a huge geography uh when emergencies happen it's really it can be really difficult right so do you have any predictions on on maybe how uh, these rural communities will continue to utilize this i think as you when you hit when you said infrastructure earlier i think as that infrastructure grows because we know, I, I think it was 20 years ago, rural America was supposed to be getting the broadband and the high speed first, but they did not mm. for whatever reasons. Not my, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, not my deal. But <laughs> as soon as they we get all of that, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it could expand. It would be fantastic. And just saving, well, we don't want to say just saving money, but saving lives, you know, people accessing services, whether it's behavioral health or medical or anything through telehealth that they wouldn't have accessed before because it was just that barrier was too big. Sure. You know? And specialty care and, you know, medications and all that good stuff. Yeah. What's inter- internet like out there mm. in Ashland? Well, in Ashland, we have one provider that I'm aware of. And, um, for example, we pay $90 a month for basic internet. And it's good internet. I mean, I'm not complaining so much, but at the place where we're working on to live in, which doesn't have cell service or Wi-Fi, the nearest internet basic like phone dial-up internet is five miles away. Wow. And so, of course, the company isn't going to run a line line to us. Um, So a lot of folks have satellite internet. Is that Starlink? Is that the Starlink? Yes. Okay. So $600 up front to buy the equipment and about $100 a month for that. Yes. That's an investment that a lot of people can't really afford to make. huh? Right. I always want to call Starlink Skynet. Yeah. I don't know why. Do you know what I'm talking about with Skynet Terminator? Yeah. (laughs) 
when they become self-aware. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we <laughs> don't want that. The day Starlink became self-aware. <laughs> no, we don't want that <laughs> <I'd> happening. <laughs> word up. Especially with a $600 upfront investment. That's right. And I need to be part of that. <laughs> yeah. And then the machines are going to kill me. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, I think down the road is, yeah, infrastructure sure, expands sure. and people have more access to, inter- I mean, internet's the key. Yeah. Cell phone service, yes, but internet is the key. Well, and cell, cell phone service is relatively new to Ashland, yes, too. Yes, it is. It? <laughs> it is. And, you know, you go over a hill and you don't have that's access right. anymore. So, that's or it's in and out. or That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming out and talking to me about this. I, I think it was it was beneficial for me, and I really hope that it's going to be beneficial for our listeners. Uh, one, just sort of helping them understand uh, that that there are people there, you know, sort of willing to talk um, if they need it. Um, that there are people who are trying to overcome some of these challenges right. that, to try to get care to them. Um, rather than them feeling like they have to come to the care. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe hopefully giving people a perspective of what it's like yeah. doing this in, in Pioneer, Montana. Yes, exactly. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me and, and allowing me to share some of my experience. And My pleasure. Yep. Well, thanks for coming. And I hope this was beneficial to all who are listening. Thanks. Thanks.